Hey everyone, welcome to the One Upcast, the show where we dig through our old video games and compare what we thought then to the way things are now. My name's Kieran, aka Harry Atomic, and I'll be joined each week by the one, the only, the face of Firmus Gas, Martinez's main man, Mr. Daniel Ferry. Back at it again. Back at it once again. Podcast number what six. Number, is this? number six. My god. I know, it's six, crazy. Six, my god. Nearly a ten. I actually leaned forward there. Have we ever playing getting playing getting beaten a football game or something? You leaned forward as if you're like you know right. Have to start playing now. Once you start doing your re-script there, I kind of land forward as if right, I'm losing here or something. It's funny because I don't, I don't the same thing. Like I was sitting back all relaxed whenever we were having a wee five minute chat beforehand. But as soon as I like done my intro, it was like right, sit up, get set forward because that's what you do when you're sitting up. That's when you mean business. Do you know what I mean? Like half an hour ago, I was just like, oh, I'm so tired, I'm work. Oh, but I'm, I'm back, I'm back at it. That's now. You see, whenever you're up, you're back at it again. I'm back at it again. So. Can I divert the road again? Because this is what I do. I see. See, this is why. This is why I paused there. Because usually at this point I go. So last week we and then you go. Hold on. Hold on. Right. Anyways. No. So this time I thought I'll have a gap. I think we should have a rule where let Daniel get us road diversion out of the way. Right. And that's what we'll then, do. Yeah. You know, Karen's the host, and there's a reason why I came to host. If Karen wasn't the host. Before our podcast, and <laughs> nobody listened to it, it'd be just the ramblings of a madman. We'd forget what we're talking about, but anyways, feel feel free to, 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 to divert. It's kind of in theme with console wars, but you know, well, vaguely. But what I when I say that is, you know, we're touching on every franchise. Yeah, touching on NES, Mega Drive, everything. I just need to mention Smash Brothers. Right. I, I kind of thought this was coming up. <laughs> I know. I, I just want to talk about it very briefly. You talk about it as much as you want. I very rarely swear, but fuck me, Pank. It's like the executives of Nintendo went in their room and said, okay, and they held up a framed photograph of me in my firmest gear. I was like, um, we need to make a game for this guy. What do we do? I like they announced it. today. Today they had a direct where they announced they announced Simon Belmont. Yes, yes, they did. Simon fucking Belmont from Castlevania on the NES, nineteen eighty three, the year I was born. This game was made for me. Simon Belmont and Richter Belmont, and they have an assistant as Alcard. Al, uh, Alicard's the assist and what? Zero from Mega Man X I know Jesus I know it's just like I imagine me sitting in work today whose two favourite games are probably or from that era would be Castlevania and Mega Man just sitting in work just salivating at the look of this but I knew no no spoilers we right just for anyone uh, anyone listening we have a, a group chat where we like uh, me Daniel uh, my sister and her boyfriend will all just talk about Switch stuff, really. And it's pretty much just our Switch chat. And today it was like, no, no spoilers. Let Daniel no, watch it not. first. <laughs> <laughs> and someone actually mentioned going record reaction. Uh, <laughs> my, once I started, I nearly broke my phone. <laughs> it's just, I, I had it. I was like, what? I had what? it on and I, I just, I watched it. I was like, oh my God, I can't wait for the Amiibo to come out. Oh, I mean, thought about the amiibo. Jesus, what? I know. I want a Simon and a Richter Belmont amiibo. Oh my what god! Are this? What are they doing? This? I know. And there's going to be more. Just uh, right. again, I done my homework, Karen. You're a bit 
for the benefits of you watching on YouTube, I will give Kieran an image so he can put up. Yeah. But the special edition. Oh, that is nice looking uh, with a Smash controller. By the way, yeah. I am now calling GameCube controllers Smash controllers. <laughs> because <laughs> they have been now longer associated with Smash Brothers yeah, than they have with the true. GameCube. So they are now Smash controllers. I think Nintendo need to do that. If they ever do in the future and anyone ever yeah. digs up this podcast or anything, let it be known that me yeah. and Daniel here on the One Upcast named the Smash controllers. The Smash controllers. It's like how I feel about the special edition is how somebody feels when they get a brand new, like a sports person or somebody who really likes kicks. Kicking the ball, kicking the sports. Like, you know, you get your boots on, you put the your shoes back in the box after your match and all. Oh, yes. Clean that, them and all. packaging is how I feel about a special edition. You would just put your Smash controller back in the box <laughs> with a game and all. You keep the cellophane and put it the, back in and all. I'll bring it to house parties like Money in the Bank. Yes, boys, <laughs> are we playing some Smash here? So good. <laughs> I, 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 I'm definitely caught up in the hype train. It, you know, all right, and, and I'm again, I, I'm just trying to call this, you know they're saving Waluigi to last. Yes, they, they, it has to happen. I mean, there's too much noise about it. But the fact, if anything encapsulates gaming as a franchise, it's Smash Bros. You know, you have everything from Sonic, Mario, Simon Belmont, Cloud, Ryu... Just, just think. You can, uh, you can have Simon Simon Belmont whooping Solid Snake. Like what? Uh, what, oh the, what the fuck? Like just, this is mad. It's it's uh, like we don't this, we don't deserve this game. But that's my, <laughs> sometimes I'm like, this game is not real. It's not yeah. real. <laughs> it's just gonna so, be. It's it's gonna. It, do you know what? It's gonna take well over a year to dig through everything and have people getting yes. like tournament ready with like every fighter and learning all the things how how thick is the player's yeah. guide gonna be like what the fuck no way they always have like the guides of yeah. like here's the moves and here's the strategies and here's some combos to start you off and stuff like that's gonna yeah. be like fucking an encyclopedia and they have 104 stages what the fuck? uh they have did you see the music options on us? Yeah, that it turns your switch into like a freaking iPod. The music player. I can't wait to go for a walk and listen to Duck Hunt. Hey? So good. Hey? <laughs> I just want to hear the Castlevania theme, man. Anything that plays the Castlevania uh, theme, I'm all over. Um, I just... But uh, we're gushing. We're gushing. Before, we're gushing. But before I go, we get on it, I just want to give... Uh, we mentioned to somebody. Go for it. Uh how long is the Wii out? 12 years? The Wii. Let me double check. The Wii came out in 2006. 12 years. Well done. Oh, there you go. Um, I kind of fell out of love with gaming uh, around the, the GameCube era. Like, I didn't game for like three or four years, and then the Wii kind of brought me back on this. Um, and. Long story short, uh, I went. I started, you know, online forums and stuff, Reddit and stuff, all that guy on. Uh, <clears throat> met a few guys online, started playing games with them online. Uh, one gentleman by the name of Ross, you know who he is. He's a regular listener. Uh, is devastated. He's never got a mention. The reason why he's never got a mention is because he's never given me a topic to talk about. Okay. I have been gaming online with Ross since the release of the Wii, and we're still gaming together now on the PS4 after 12 years. Ross has not only become a, a, an online gaming partner, he's actually become a mate, a good mate at that. Uh, he gets married this weekend. Congratulations. I just want to give him a wee shout out. The best of luck. It's the best thing you'll ever do. 
and you, your life's just beginning. So congratulations, buddy. Congratulations. So on with the show. On with the show. So before we get started, I think that at the start of the show is probably a good place to mention it. We've recently had a bit of a snafu in the podcast and switched over to a new long-term host. We're now hosted on Anchor. I sent out a few tweets about it for anyone that follows me, but if you're listening to the podcast on anything that's not Anchor, you know, feel free to listen to it on any podcast network. I will be rolling out the podcast to pretty much everywhere that will host the podcast. If it plays audio, it will play this podcast. So that's my that's my goal. But on the Anchor app, you can submit a voice question to us as if you're phoning in a question. You can record a question for us that we can listen to, play on the podcast, and we can answer whatever you want to talk about. Or if you just have something you want to say, you want to have a nice soundbite on, you want to chip in two cents, whatever, you want to talk to us, that's the main way of doing it. So just thought I would put that at the start. Because more than likely, that's where most people are going to hear it. But anyways, as we say for the third time on on with the show, the last... Stop that very good. Oh, yeah. I, know, I always do that. What the fuck? <laughs> can't believe it. But anyways, last week we were talking about the console wars and we left on a bit of a cliffhanger with the Super Nintendo, the uh, SNES CD add-on, having made possibly the worst decisions ever in video game business and created the PlayStation. I watched that Ben Heck video you mentioned. Did you watch that video where they watched, they worked on it? God, my what? God, isn't that a piece of history? That is, you'll never like that's up there with the ET in the desert. Yeah, for anybody who doesn't even realize, there was rumors years ago that copies of ET on the NES was buried in or the Atari. Sorry, Atari, or was buried in the desert, and people kind of laughed it off, and it actually was. Yeah, uh, the way you're on by Ben Heck. Ben Heck actually got one of those cartridges and wired it up and made it work again. So he has a, he has a working ET from the desert. It's crazy. Like it's it's just it was such a it was just more than educational. I mean, it's just it's just crazy. Like that they actually have one. It can it can get about tech heavy. Yeah, I kind of skip past the stuff when he was talking about nanodes and, <laughs> you know, all that guy. Yeah, it's it, just like, no, you've lost me. Just play a game. Yeah, it can get a bit <clears> tech heavy, but if, you know, if you watch it and, you know, watch it through, there is enough on there to keep you interested. But yeah, that I'll link it in the YouTube version uh, down below. Uh, if not, just search uh, Ben Hex NES CD and, and it'll it'll pop up. You'll, you'll see it. But yeah, it was, that was, it, it's mad to think that like, that was the the first iteration of the PlayStation. It was cool seeing the controllers with the yeah. like the PlayStation branding on it, like a SNES controller with a PlayStation branding on it. But so it's just as you say, the ultimate fuck up. Yeah, the the How biggest difference? fuck up in in gaming. But yeah, if if they would have stuck with Sony, brought out that add on, and the add on just kind of flopped, you know, like like How all CD add ons did at the time. Yeah. How how different things would be. No. But before we go on the SNES and NES, want to mention Jaguar? Do you remember the Jaguar? I do remember the Jaguar, and yeah. oh, I only remember it because I looked at it and went, "What the fuck is that?" That was out before the N sixty four, wasn't it? And I always remember like yeah. that was like sixty four bit, and it was way ahead of its time, and it was super expensive. And I'll tell you why it just triggered a thought. I remember being hyped about the N sixty four and being in a electronics boutique store, and they had a booth, and it was. The Jaguar was playing, and it was like a spaceship game with a gear with a green head, kind of narrating, and it was gorgeous looking. But I remember looking at the price; it was like four hundred quid or something. You're just like, what? Like, that money back then was just 
doesn't exist, you know. The Jaguar, uh, whenever I, I, I remember seeing it, but I seen it late. Now, you were right, it did come out a year before. Um, yeah, the... I remember it was well ahead graphically and powerfully. And I, yeah. I, I, I think it was kind of like, you know, it was just a powerhouse. Well, they just had a. Not to, not to get too tacky on it, but at the time, Atari came up with this idea that um, everyone cared about bits. We, we mentioned it before. It was all about the bits. All those as bits. many bits as you can. And so everyone was trying to get the bit count up. And it because of the way computer like computer memory works, I'll not go. I'll, I won't go too crazy on it. But it all goes up in powers of two. You're dying. You're dying to I'm go. Dying day, I'm dying. I'm dying. But I'm going to sit on the surface <laughs> here. Trust me. <laughs> so that's why you get like eight, sixteen. You know, thirty-two, sixty-four, one twenty-eight. Like that's why you get those numbers. Everyone knew that because we were on sixteen-bit consoles, like the Mega Drive and the SNES, that the next cycle would more than likely be thirty-two. And so um, Atari, and I think their their head at the time was a guy called Jack Trammell. He's a fucking strange guy. If you're ever interested, look him up. But um, they came, the Atari or the marketing gurus at Atari came up with the idea of, ah, if everyone's expecting a 32-bit console, what we'll do is we'll release a 64-bit console. But they didn't really. What they did was they released a console with two 32-bit processors inside, which, I mean, it doesn't add up. You can't just add processing on top of each other. Yeah. Ultimately, what they had was it was it was like whenever the PlayStation Three came out, not to jump ahead, but you know where they had that new like seven core weird architecture thing, and nobody knew yeah. how to fucking develop for it. Same idea. That was the same problem. All of a sudden, developers were All like, right. "Well, we have two thirty-two bit processors here. What the how the hell does this work? What are we going to do?" And apparently, they weren't very good at answering questions. So right, okay. developers just had like it was like. You know, it, it was like getting a, you know, it was like getting a fucking uh, a jigsaw which had no picture on it. You know what I mean? You just, it, it was, right. you could still put it together, but it's just going to be way harder. Right. So eventually what happened was. And who, and who, and who made it, sorry? It was, it, it, it was Atari. It was the, the Atari oh, Jaguar. That was their like right. last foray. I think it was their last. And uh, funnily enough, if uh, I'll put an image in. I'm actually making work for myself now. I'll put an image in the YouTube version. Um, if you look up the Jaguar CD, it also had a CD add-on, but it made it look like a toilet. <laughs> All right. And okay. again, to make one more, uh, and it was notoriously bad. It just did not work whatsoever. Like it constantly didn't connect, and it just there was so many of those units broke down. That's the CD uh, add-on is expensive now, not because they're rare, but because getting a working one is rare. Like there's enough of them out there, it's just they're all freaking broke. But in, in a one final sort of laugh, just before we move on from the Jaguar, like Atari are famous for thinking that what they make is going to sell way more than it actually does, hence burying shit in the desert. Yeah. So they made a fuck ton of Atari Jaguars, or at least the cases for them, the plastic shells, and the Jaguar just doesn't sell that much. So they were sitting on a whole pile of these like shells that they didn't know what to do with. So what they did was right. they sold them wholesale to the dental industry. And if you look at, uh, if you search Atari Jaguar dentist, you'll find that what happened was is some dental companies that make dental supplies um, were using them as like stands to put like all the drills in. So You start a fountain knowledge. Yeah, they sprayed them white yep. and put the drills in them and that was like a wee drill holder. And uh, so yeah, some, some dentists out there might still have an Atari Jaguar hanging on the wall and that was the... <laughs> the final hurrah of Atari before they completely fucking imploded. Insane, insane. But, but anyway, yeah, anyways, anyways, 
Sony, PlayStation, Nintendo. Yes. So now that the Jaguar has played around with their bits and whatever, uh, we, we move on and the SNES is gone. Now the N64 is locked in competition with its newly created rival, the PlayStation 1. Sega Saturn is doing something. It came out and... That nobody knows about. Yeah, <laughs> nobody fucking knew about. Um, a funny note, E3 at the time... Um, the E3 that uh, the PlayStation 1 was announced, the Sega Saturn, again, like, nobody knew what they expect from Sony because they were a brand new player. I remember at the time, I remember hearing it and thinking, oh, that's that Walkman company making, like, what are they doing making games? It was almost like, what are they doing on here? Because gaming was yeah. still, like, a weird thing yeah, that you kind of, uh, it was a niche yeah. thing. So you were like, what What are these things trying to do? Like, you didn't trust them. Do you know what I mean? Like, you trusted yeah. Nintendo, you trusted Sega. Like, it was like, why yeah. is the Walkman company trying to make games for me? But the way that they got over with um, with consumers was at the first, uh, it wasn't called E3, but it was E3 at the time. Sega went out and pulled a PS3 and stood on stage and talked about how the Saturn was going to do this and do that and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And there was a whole fuck up with the release of the Saturn. We'll get Saturn out of the way. There was a whole fuck yeah. up with the release of the Saturn because what they did was they released it like before the release date. So all of a sudden right. they pushed out boxes of Saturns in the stores before the release date. Now, and I'm not, I don't mean like a day or two. I mean like a month before release. Which, right, okay. which only served because they were trying to create ground hype. But what happened was is that they right. pissed off every retailer that didn't get it early. Right, Do you know what I mean? Okay. So like if you've Tesco's and Sainsbury's and you send a box to Tesco's a month early to drum up hype, well, Sainsbury's are going to be pissed off yep. that they didn't get a box because it makes them yep. look bad. So S- Sega were in bad stead and they went out in E3 and they're hyping up their console. They're hyping up the release date. And yeah, this is going to be great. And then they announced the price at $400. They're at $399, which... Nobody was really, I mean, adjusted yeah. for inflation. That's pretty fucking hefty for a Sega Saturn. Yeah. And especially because we're only off the back of the Sega CD and the 32X, people had just bought those, I think, eight months before the Saturn came out. So there wasn't a lot of time between buying these, like, hundred, couple of hundred dollar add-ons and having to buy a new console. But anyways, just after Sega finished announcing that their Saturn was going to be 399 Sony I took... remember this. Yeah, Sony talked to the stage at E3 and the president of Sony at the time, I think it was the president, if he wasn't the president of Sony, he's like gaming better, he was the president of something, but he walked up on stage, shuffled his papers, sat them on the podium, leaned down to the microphone and said, 2.99 and just walked away and the crowd just erupted and that was how they announced the, the PlayStation by just completely $100 <laughs> undercutting Sega. And, and it's, like, it's funny because it's kind of so similar to what they were doing in the PS4. Yeah, do you remember that with the um, Xbox One, like backwards compatibility? Yeah, and it was kind of like the Xbox opened the door and you just went, okay, and we'll walk through this. But we'll get to that eventually. Yes, as and well. I will, I'll actually drop a teaser in. Um, I, uh, just, just for whenever we get on the modern day consoles, I supported the Xbox One and what they were doing. And I'll explain why when we get there. So just a wee teaser. And I worked journal so I was I have a lot of retails tell as well. That will be a long episode. Yes. <laughs> I I I foresee uh, just a bit of behind the scenes talk here, but I foresee that we may have to start a retails section in the podcast yes. for yes, the amount yes. of retail <laughs> stories that we have once because whenever time went on we started working and selling these mm. consoles. 
So we have a lot of stories of like seeing the hype from the other end of the counter. But anyways, so I've been I've been rambling on for ages about game facts and just completely spewing game history all over this podcast. We're like twenty minutes in and I haven't fucked up about facts, but let me throw in an hour rambling. Oh, <laughs> go for it, go for it. You, you, you touched there on the Sega Saturn and send them to retailers early and certain other retailers got pissed off. So there was kind of like a bad relationship with retailer X and retailer Y, Y retailer Z, yeah. these consoles. This is, you just triggered a thought in my mind. And again, people in the comments below, let us know what you think. Um, we're at this place now where in a retail environment where I know if you ask any person who works in a gaming retail environment, they can't wait for the Xbox 2 or the PS5 because it revitalizes the industry again and it's a splurge of sales and you know, it's easy footfalls, easy traction. Um, but then you kind of have this other side as well where Amazon online is just dominating and then you have obviously your digital marketplaces where uh, MPD data there last month uh, showed digital sales for God of War, for example, PS4 exclusive. Seventy percent of its sales were digital. It's insane. So, it's insane. Um, so basically, hypothetically, if that sold one million copies, seven hundred thousand of them were digital copies, which ten years ago would have been no. And if Sony, PlayStation, Nintendo ever pull the trigger and go, you know what? If you want the digital game, it's a five or cheaper. That's going to make it go bigger again. And the reason why the digital sales are cheaper, and this is a retail kind of. When I, the last Call of Duty I worked was top of my head. I think it was Call of Duty. I can't even remember. It was Call of Duty, whatever one it was. It was about two or three years ago. The year prior, I had about 300 people at the launch. My last Call of Duty before I left, where I worked, I had 14 people. 14 for Call of Duty? I remember that number vividly. 14 people. That's um, bad numbers. It wasn't because... It, yeah. And it wasn't because... It wasn't because it was cheaper online. It was competitively priced with everywhere. The company did the research. This is a competitive price. We still sold a good load of copies over the launch window, you know, the first week. But the launch, like your gamers want it now. They want it there. They want it then. And these companies are bringing in preload where you can preload it. And boom, as soon as it's 12, you're not standing like you in the rain and the cold. You're sitting in the house playing it. Yeah. And this is ultimately, I think, where 70% of the sales are, you know I mean? So we're, we're kind of at this place now where... At what point does these publishers decide, you know what, we don't need these brick-and-mortar stores anymore? Uh, obviously, Sony and PlayStation, or Sony and sorry, Xbox and Nintendo need these stores to sell their hardware, but they don't need them to sell their software, is basically what I'm saying. Yeah. So, And they have to keep relationships alive and well. But, you know, it'll be interesting to see in 10 years' time how they do that. We'll, 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 we'll park that and we'll bring it up in, in a yeah. podcast of its own. We'll talk about uh retailers and whether or not you know uh you know what what do we think the face of games retail is going to be in 10 years yeah uh-huh we just decided our episode then, then. yeah that's <laughs> it 
So yeah, see, we've episodes falling out of the fucking sky here because we just keep rambling about shit. We're <laughs> so now that we're twenty five minutes on the thirty minute podcast that's gonna last an hour. <laughs> what a time to what be alive! What a time to be alive! Anyways, we uh, uh, what what about you from from back in the? You said you never played the Saturn. You were never. You, you were an N sixty four man. Sega Saturn. 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 I think I played it. Re- about a few years back at a corporate sale I played uh, the R- Sega Rally Championships Sega Rally I uh, I was a Daytona USA man but uh, I I oh, love there you go <laughs> the lines are drawn I was I was kind of lucky when I was younger because I got I all I wanted was a Nintendo because I grew up with Nintendo yeah. and Sega and that was it just give me Nintendo and Sega but whenever consoles were like the newer consoles were coming out you were kind of your your interests varied, you know, like gaming wasn't all I did, so I didn't have every freaking console that was coming out because as well it wasn't me buying it, it was my parents buying it for me. Yeah. So yeah. the one that I chose was the N sixty four. I I at the start anyway I was like, I want the N sixty four, that's the one because you know, Mario's swinging Bowser around and throwing him in the bombs and it's all fantastic. Yeah. And my uncle at the time, who was only about four or five years older than me, but had I I I think I can't remember properly, but at least I he was like buying consoles himself. Like he was going up town, and he was the one buying them. Uh, yeah. He got the Saturn. He got the PlayStation, and I remember going over to his house and playing them. And I remember there was a game Clockwork Night for the Saturn, and I right. I okay. I loved it. It was like a sort of like it was like a how can I describe it? It looked like it was like Toy Story. Do you know what I mean? But for some yeah. reason, the graphics in the Saturn n- never sat right with me on the games that I played. So I just kind of wrote it off and I didn't like the controller. So yeah. I don't know if that was because I actually didn't like it or because I just loved the N64. And I know yeah. the N64 gets shit for its controller and stuff, but I, I kind of liked it. I thought it made sense. I fucking loved it. I, I loved grand. it. I'll um, tell you a story about the N64. Go for it. Because when I were in the N64 territory, the first time I... Uh, Got the N64. I remember going to my friend's house at the time, and uh, he was sitting playing. I, I, I can't even recall. It came out in March or something, and but I had it with the Santa got me it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I remember my friend having it, and I remember going to his house. And I was, I was so good. I, uh, I didn't play play it because I wanted to hold out to myself so I could experience. But I remember going down to his house and. I was just like, go on, let me feel the controller. Just let me hold the controller. Mm-hmm. Because at the time, it was so... I know you look at it now and you go, oh, what is that? It's so... Like, you couldn't play a shooter on it now. But back then, that was revolutionary. Mm-hmm. It was just ahead of time. Like, you had this 3D functioning stick. It was just... It was, it was amazing. And I still, I still love it. You know, and if they released an N64 Mini this Christmas, Jesus. <laughs> I, was, I was so hyped by the N64 that I, I remember at the time... It's, it's a weird story. It's one that just, for some reason, it popped onto my head. And I didn't have this prepped at all. It just, I haven't remembered this in years. So I'm going to go a bit off the cuff on this one. But I remember sitting, I went out on a, a, a like a Sunday for Sunday dinner with my, with my parents. With, it was this one particular Sunday we went out and we had a nice family meal out. And there was the five of us sitting there having our meal. And I remember before I left the house, I had just watched some like, there was like an ad or something or I'd read a magazine or something but anyways I was on full N64 mode like 
yeah. whatever you talk to me about you know you could ask me what the weller's like and i'd be like yeah I, I, but who cares you know mario 64 or whatever and i was so hyped but one of the games i wanted was goldeneye because i just never seen anything like it and i remember hearing mm-hmm. like oh you, you know you've got the trigger on the back of the controller it's like an actual you know you're you could be james bond, bond and i was just like oh my god my my wee my my wee mind was just i couldn't comprehend what was happening and just, oh. i remember sitting at the at, at at the table and we're, we're having a conversation uh just about random sort of stuff we we're talking about like other family members and blah 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 and how they were getting on it was all very nice um one of my aunties at the time was on her way or she had just left to go to las vegas with her husband yeah and i remember her saying you know because you remember back in the day someone going to america was a big deal like nowadays yeah. it's really easy to go but back then well, back then fuck it sounds like it was 100 years ago but back then it's like it was a lot like when someone's going to America I was like holy fuck they're going to America that's crazy and yeah. I remember I remember saying you know I'll bring presents back setting set, set off on a train waving out the window their <laughs> loved one chasing I'll after them <laughs> I'll see you in 10 months but uh, <laughs> uh, w- wondering if they'll survive the fucking boat over but uh, anyways uh, I I she had said, is there anything you want me to bring you back? Probably talking about like American sweets that maybe we'd seen on TV or something. Yeah. And everybody was saying, oh, I want one of them Tootsie Rolls or something. And wouldn't that be funny? And I remember turning around and being like, Golden Eyes are already out in America. Go and get it for me. And I had no idea about regions or anything or blah, blah, blah. But all I wanted was Golden Eye. I was like, go and get me Golden Eye. And I remember being told, like, that's a bit of a big present. And I was like, yeah, but she's going to be in a country where Goldeneye is out. Gone, yeah. gone get me Goldeneye. And it, it uh-huh. obviously it didn't happen because you can't just ask people to bring you back a 50 quid video game on the fly. But yeah. it's just that that's that's the level of hype that happened back in the day. Even better than that. Sorry, they, they take two stories in a row here. But the N64 was, for a lot of us, the first foray and the 3D gaming. And this is more of a question. Yep. It, it's a story and a question, a very short one. But did you get headaches when you started playing it for the first time? Yes, yes. I my did, yeah. eyes were burnt out of my head. I remember yeah. sitting with my eyes closed and every time I opened my eyes, they'd look at Mario, like Mario 64. I would get a splitting headache and until I looked away because my brain just didn't know what they do with this like image on the screen that was 3D but it wasn't. Do you know uh, what I mean? I remember. I, I think it was the... What didn't help us is what the leads were only about a metre long and you just sat crouched towards your TV yeah. looking up at us. With the CRT and, just like, burning your freaking skull. You're moving your you're moving the camera around but it was just so revolutionary at the time I mean Mario 64 I mean we touched on it in episode 1 was an industry game changing game it, was, it literally took the leap of that it, it basically did that for we'll touch on Playstation later but I always remember what stands out for the game a kind of leapfrog play, the PS1 was Tekken mm-hmm. you know the fighting for, and again that was a 3D fighter because well, again we're so used to um, 3D planes um, but there's just so many other games as well. Like it wasn't really critically well received, and a lot of people didn't like it. But you know what? I loved the N64, and it was just kind of like, here, I'm just going to zone out and play it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it got re-released amongst the rare collection on the Xbox One there about a year ago. Mm-hmm. Was Blast Corps? Do you remember Blast Corps? Blast Corps. I do remember Blast Corps. I loved that. You just drove around in a truck, blowing up what like buttons. You just drove around and like. 
they gave you an objection, right? You have three minutes, uh, blow up five million worth of damage, and it was so repetitive, but it was just like you had a bulldozer and you had to knock down. But I, I absolutely loved it. It's just, like, again, things like that, you've never seen it before. And uh, oh, it was just oh, so, so good. You mentioned the story there about uh, <clears throat> the getting kind of later into the N64 life cycle, but you mentioned you asked for about Goldeneye yeah. from your auntie or your uncle, sorry, yeah. going abroad. <clears throat> A friend of mine uh, at the time, a few few years into the N64 life cycle, uh, went to America as well, and he actually brought home, again, we didn't know where the region locks, he actually brought home an imported copy of WWF No Mercy. Oh, what a game. See, wrestling games were so fucking good back then. So, and I remember because it wasn't due, like he, he got this during the summer and uh, we were like, oh my God, like we've seen this in magazines. Like, And I remember running into his house and uh, I, I remember vividly it had a black cartridge the, the American version of the WWF No Mercy had a black cartridge. Mm-hmm. Now, unless someone can tell me if they're from the States, that was a limited edition thing. It was a black cartridge and it didn't work. And we didn't have Google or anything to refer to, so we just didn't know why it didn't work. We were blown under the cartridge. Uh, we actually we tried to screw open at the back, you know, and the opposite. We just couldn't could not we didn't get it to work, yeah, because and of the region difference. Work. And we, we were just so devastated and so good but need to talk about no mercy whilst we're on the subject i yeah and then i have another game i want to bring up friend 64 before oh, we move on to playstation but no a, no mercy what a what a competitive fighting game i mean that why don't they just remake that i mean games like the the wwe franchises now they're just so flashy and you know i get all that but see if they just did a remake of that with modern day wrestlers that would sell so so much just yeah. do that with online even uh, if they just I would gladly go just release it as like a digital sort of funny title, kind of like yes. that uh, Bloodstained, you know, like that Castlevania type game that yeah. came out. That's just like exactly. a, it's just a prelude to like a bigger game, you know, that uh, like uh, Symphony of the Night styling. The name escapes me, but um, the like they should do that. Just bring out like an old like N sixty four like ROM hack with like newer wrestlers and sell it on the freaking yeah. like you know, just for digital download before WWE two K twenty comes out or something. But I at the time when that came out, um, the Matrix was the big movie, and every everything uh-huh, that had yes. a creative character, all I did was made Morpheus and Neo and made them fight each other. <laughs> That's all I ever did. Uh- you, again, you just triggered our thought. Come back to No Mercy. Uh, a mate of mine, uh, Jonathan, <laughs> I must tell him about this podcast. He doesn't even know I do one. Mm. But he made this character. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> I don't know why, but he, he made this wrestler called Kane. But it wasn't Kane Kane. Okay. Uh, it was just this guy with long white hair, and he wore this white suit. He was just this, like, and his thing was he just walked up the ramp and just tied it to his tie. And uh, all his moves, he just did these like samurai moves. And every time Jonathan would play as him, he would do his own commentary. Oh, he's I like, used to my... do my own as well. I was so good at commentary. <laughs> he's, all, he's oh my god, he's going for the sister kicking on. And then sometimes you reverse it. He'd be like, oh, what the fuck? You don't want you to. Play? I know, hey, that's not the way the story goes. I was raging in WWF whenever Michael Cole took over as a commentator because I thought to myself, I'm way better than him. I've been commentating my No Mercy matches between fucking Morpheus and Neo for months. <laughs> and uh, I, I just love it. Do you remember you could go backstage, the brawls and everything? And uh, my cousin Peter, uh, 
when I when I worked in the game, I always uh, I'm a liar. It was in Toys R Us. He called on to me in Toys R Us, and he had his kids with him. And uh, Peter has so many kids. He actually numbers them. Hmm. He he would say to me, "Here's number four. Here's <laughs> number seven. And uh, they're just so hyper. They're just so they're all oh, they're just really fun. And uh, Peter is the gentleman. Obviously, I don't want to put it up because it's a picture of a child. Messaged us this week directly. He got his kid a SNES money. I seen that. Uh, that gave me warm fuzzies on side. It made yeah. me happy. He brought us kid uh, SNES money uh, from listening to this podcast. So Peter, good man. Uh, teach them young. But, That's uh, it. You gotta spread <laughs> spread the good word. <laughs> he was he always goes on about the WWE games and he's all uh, Daniel, all they want to do is play fire matches. <laughs> I can't let them play it. They want to <laughs> just do fire matches. So they weren't actually interested in wrestling. They just wanted to do fire matches. So I said each other on fire. Just that's it. Uh, like, uh, it was absolutely, uh, absolutely brilliant. Um, but uh, next night you're up and we have some free time. We definitely have to get WWF No Mercy because remember you could even make your own belt. I know that. Well, you can make your you can make your own belt, and like people come over, oh, you want to try and fight for my belt, and you can put that belt under the memory card, so somebody could leave with your belt on the memory card. It, it was revolutionary stuff. Oh. It was just like, my God. And uh, we used to have a thing where, you know, I was the champion of a certain division and then somebody would come down and beat me for it and I'd have to wait a week before I'd fight them again. And yeah, oh, I could go on. I could go on. But a question for you. Okay. Uh, I touched on it with Blast Corpse there about um, games that you didn't really like or it wasn't really, sorry, critically well received. Yeah. I have an R and 64 game that go wasn't it. really critically well received. But again, I do like it. I love, sorry, I'm a liar. I loved it. And basically, I'm going to stay, tell you what it is, and I'll tell you why. And I want you to kind of rack your brain. So my question to you, and I'll let you think, and then I'll tell you my one, is was there any games, doesn't even have to be on 64, that weren't critically well received, but you loved anyway? Yes. I'll tell you my one. My guiltiest pressure game on the N64 was a game called Snowboard Kids. Snowboard Kids? Uh, do you want to know a funny thing about Snowboard Kids? The Snowboard Kids 2 is worth a fucking It's worth a fucking mind. month, but uh, Snowboard Kids... Do you want to hear an hour for me? Go for Do it. Do you want to hear an hour story? I have Snowboard Kids 2. Oh, uh, you don't? I, you fucker. Somewhere, somewhere, I have it. I can't find it, though. But my mum's attic is like fucking a gold mine, and I have to get on it someday. I will fucking um, walk you down for like... Do you a remember part, part ownership of Snowboard Kids too? I will uh, again send you an image for the benefit of YouTube. I uh, went to my mum's about a month and a half ago. I um, my brother was all here. I'm going up to attic. Do you want anything? And I was all, I go and see if my N64 games are up there because I have my N64. Yeah, but I couldn't find my games. So and I, and I didn't even think about the attic until he said, "Here, I you know, do you want anything?" I said, "Go and check." He was up there literally two minutes. And he pulled down this shoebox and he goes, here you go. And there was about 20 N64 games on it. And they all work. They, oh, they, they were they were hardcore, like? It was like one on a lot. No Mercy was there. Mario Golf. Mario Golf. Oh. Oh, my God. You told me to get <laughs> so that. Sweet. And I went out and I bought it on your recommendation. And I just love it. Me and I, you need to get it. on that. Yep. We need to get on that. Um, but Snowboard Kids, just it's hard as fuck, it's like no, it was, Dark Souls. It was made by the same kids. people. It was made by the same people that made Persona. That right? Yeah. There a- you go. Atlas. Atlas made Snowboard Kids and Snowboard Kids too. Just as a wee funny sort of like, where are they now? 
which actually segues me very well into my answer as to like what my game was because again it's a where are they now do you remember body harvest I do, yes. I never actually played it. I always remember the horrible box art. Yeah, it was fucking terrible. It was like a globe with like Microsoft Word art on it or whatever. But remember I remember in a previous podcast I talked about how that I used to get a game rented like on a Friday? Uh, well, Body Harvest was one of those because it was one of those quiet weeks where you go into ExtraVision. Again, ExtraVision shout out. You go, babe. hey, you walk into ExtraVision and you go, eh, there's nothing really out this week. It's all just kind of tat. No, I'll just love Body Harvest because if I rent one of the cheaper games, then I have money left over for sweets as well. So I rented, <laughs> bo- I rented Body Harvest for like a pound cheaper and used that pound to get like a bag of freaking like penny mixes and like refresher bars and stuff. He, he, he was a guy from like, he did, he was a guy that did the barcodes and decided, you know what, Mario 64 is a 450 rental. Barley Harvest since the 250 rental. He right. decided that I know there, there's this guy had to sit and play them and go, nah, again, we're good. talking about the rules. That's got <laughs> 250 written all over it. They just looked at the Barley Harvest, <laughs> bar, bar Harvest box art and went, that's £2 <laughs> for a week, lads. Done. But Body Harvest was made by, um, uh, well, it, it, it had a rocky start. Originally, Body Harvest, believe it or not, was supposed to be a launch title for the N64. Uh, back. I know, but th- this will be the last of like the N64 facts I'll spew out. I might do a few PlayStations, but this will be the last one. I have actually educational N64 facts that I need to finish on as well. Yes, we'll do that then after this one. You, you, you can finish out on educational N64. But Body Harvest was a very violent, very strange game that was made to be like an open world style run around and kind of you know explore the world type of thing it was like a very primitive open world game um Uh and the whole premise was like alien like alien insects were trying to take over earth or something Uh and you had to run around and find them and kill them and all this other stuff but anyways the um nintendo weren't happy at how violent the game was so they were like right we know we're not really sort of we're trying to maintain an image here let's not bring out body harvest alongside n60 or alongside mario 64 and pilot wings like this is all about dodgy um Uh and they says uh we haven't got a while out of rpgs on the n64 go and try and make it an rpg and so they were like what like what do you mean like we don't you know like we can't just change a game halfway through so In, in a again in a funny sort of turn of events now this was made in, in by a game development studio in scotland All right and so what nintendo did was they went right we're not getting through here this is a whole fucking nightmare what we'll do is we'll fly over to scotland we'll fly a bunch of our guys over to scotland we'll sit down and we'll chat to them and we'll we'll sort it all out so they went over and sat down but the problem was is that these guys didn't speak very good english and neither did the scottish team really if you think about it so <laughs> the the japanese team that went over didn't understand the scottish accents and so they got nowhere okay. with their meetings so they flew back and they thought right okay but we'll fly them back to us so that we can use our translators and okay. we'll finally have a conversation here and try and sort this out the problem was is that the japanese team got rubbed the wrong way because the plane that was flying back to japan mistook the development team of body harvest as a japanese boy band okay and so they upgraded them the first class so the jap the, the the scottish team were loving it up in first class all the way back to japan the japanese team were flying in coach so these two teams didn't get on. They couldn't talk to each other and they were already just not happy with one another. So anyways, eventually Nintendo, after pissing them about, 
same as Argonaut with Star Fox, cut them loose and went, nah, we're, we're done. We're not bringing out the game. Or at least we're not bringing it out as a, as a first party Nintendo title. So yeah. the the company that we're making it went, oh shit, what are we going to do? We, we, no, we're going to, our company's going to go under. So what they did was they mm-hmm. went and they got the game published third party by Midway, who okay. made Mortal Kombat. So they went, yeah, happy uh-huh. days. But it didn't make them, so the game then finally came out, shitty box art and all. But the problem was, yeah. and this is where now this is another one of Nintendo's grand fuck-ups, which plays nicely into the PlayStation. The game was made originally as this open-world thing, which they kind of stuck in with a few light RPG elements, but mainly it was running about in a, in a primitive open world. The original uh-huh. team, the Scottish team that made that game, was DMA Design, who then right. later went on and got bought out and got uh, picked up by Rockstar. And okay. that became the foundation for the first ever Grand Theft Auto. Amazing. So Body Harvest and all of its underlying sort of research, and I'd say probably a lot of its underlying code, eventually became uh, Grand Theft Auto 1, which was made by DMA Design, and then ultimately yeah. fully absorbed, and the Rockstar, they make the Grand Theft Auto that we know now. And so yeah. again, Nintendo, after creating the PlayStation, now let... Uh, or pissed off the company that would later go on to create one of the most, if not the most successful gaming franchise of all time. That's insane. So Nintendo really weren't good on their business at this stage. And this bleeds beautifully into my kind of facts. I kind of, I did my homework. You're going to be impressed. I'm getting good at this homework. Um, So the N64 did okay. It didn't do... It, it did moderately well. It's like my favorite console of all time. A lot of people I know at my age is kind of like their favorite console. You either do one or the other. Um, but there's no doubt about it that the PlayStation 1 kind of kicked their ass. And yeah. ultimately why it kicked their ass is because it had more games. Um, here's a question for you. And I'll, I'll continue on with my, uh, my little point of knowledge mm-hmm. speech here. How many... Roughly, I don't want an exact figure, and I don't use your internet button in front of you. I hear oh. you typing. <laughs> <laughs> How many JRPGs was there on the Super Nintendo? Roughly, say top of your head. Mm, released here? Even doesn't even matter. General, oh, fuck, I wouldn't say that Bring many. Trigger, I'd say less Final Fantasy. Less than fifty. So you wait, so you had about fifty. No, mm. how many JRPGs were on the N64? Oh, uh, less than 10. I'll tell you the answer to that okay. in a second. Ooh. So, and you might go, why is, why is he going on about JRPGs? I'll tell you why I'm going on about JRPGs. Because I touched on how gaming is a very niche thing. And, you know, again, back then when it was in your bedroom, uh, these JRPGs were heavily story-driven games, 100-hour games where you absorb. And that's where... Super Nintendo and even the NES had these JRPGs, so they had their gaming audience. So Square Enix were kind of like the pioneers of the JRPG. Yeah. Uh, like they were primarily Nintendo systems, and you know they bought a, uh, a big enough fan base on this platform where they didn't have to go anywhere else to kind of go. Well, here's our games now. But this is where Nintendo ran into trouble mm-hmm. with their cartridges. Uh, the uh, uh, as a PS1 card, uh, disc 
could hold 750 megabytes. So I'm getting a wee bit technical here. Mm-hmm. So a PS1 disc could hold 750 megabytes of data. Um, now, I don't know if Square ever even attempted to do a JRPG on the N64, but obviously that's 750 megabytes. There's a lot more data. than the, the, the highest compressed game on the N64 was Resident Evil 2. Oh, yes. Which was was a two-disc game on the PS1. So 750 megabytes times two is 1.5 gigabytes. They compressed that down in one cartridge on the N64 to 64 megabytes. Which yeah. is... Insane. Metal. Insane compression. And absolute credit to them because it had voice acting, cutscenes, everything. So I don't know how they did it. Obviously... It could have been done, but the likes of Square were going to just look at that and go, listen, we can just, it'd be a lot easier for us to make a JRPG on a PlayStation. So naturally, you, you had your big JRPG gamers moving a lot, straight away over to, Playsta- uh, over to PlayStation. So to answer me, your, that question answer you, how many JRPGs were on the N64? Zero. Zero? Not one. When you think about it, you had, that's basically like a PlayStation 5 coming out without a shooter. Yeah, it just wouldn't happen. It yeah, just wouldn't happen. A Japanese console so, coming out with like the one of the genres that sold predominantly well in Japan, uh, and it also didn't sell. Uh, like discs were so cheap to make as well, and I know like the developers who wanted to make a game, they had to kind of come at the Nintendo about buying so many cartridges. So yeah. they would get like the more the more cartridges they brought, the cheaper they got them at. And there was no refund on them, and it just didn't bode well. So, you know, I think it cost about thirty pounds to make an N sixty four game, and this is why they were fifty pounds a pop. Like fifty pounds back then wasn't wasn't cheap. Like I remember getting my birthday money one year and going up and looking at the N sixty four games, and then the PlayStation had the platinum range where you could get like game for twenty quid, which was it was insane. So ultimately. Uh, well, bleed on the PlayStation now, or but um, play, uh, Sony did, uh, Nintendo did well with the PlayStation, but they fall back on what you said at the very beginning. If they stuck with Sony, it could have been a completely different story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it it's mad how that so many we well seemingly like non consequential decisions at that time by Nintendo caused such a ripple that it created like. Sony yeah. and PlayStation. Now, the a, a question I'll ask you about PlayStation, and it's one of probably one of the more controversial reasons why I think that PlayStation kind of jumped to be probably the one of the or the biggest player at the time was yes, it had fantastic games. Yes, it had a load of RPGs and stuff that the Nintendo didn't have. But and let's again just to include them here, Sega were overdoing their thing. You know. And, yeah. and whatever nobody really they weren't really playing ball but did you have your playstation like chipped i um i actually didn't believe it or not i was quite didn't? a good boy fucking two of mine are chipped right now for fuck's sake <laughs> <laughs> i remember my neighbors was chipped but he had kind of like it was like a, i don't even know what it was it was like a blue thing it stuck on the back of it it had to have the lid open, and then it kind of held down the spinner, and it just spun. Yeah, there, there was uh, a there was it was a way that you could mod it where you used like an action replay, um, yeah. because the way that the way that it worked, 
not to get too technical, was that you could have a mod chip which would just bypass... Like, the mod chip is one that you'd have to drop off your PlayStation, get it soldered inside, and then it would yeah. bypass, you know, the check to see if it's an official disc. Or yeah. the swap one that had, like, that wee, you know, drawer thing that you opened the drawer and swapped the disc out with the, the thing in the back. It's just a regular cheat device in the back. Yeah. But what happens with those cheat devices is, is that it spins up the game and reads what game it is and yeah. then and in doing so confirms that it's an official game then it loads up this it like piggybacks like the load like the loads like the load of the game they give you this menu where you can apply cheats but there's nothing they say right. that you can't swap it out for a copied game because right. the system has already checked if it's an official game so it doesn't really care. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. At that stage, it's just like, oh, cool, I'll just play whatever's there. So that's why you get a lot of those ones sticking at the back. But I attribute that to, again, a success of the PlayStation because everyone that I knew and had their PlayStation chipped, uh, it was like the hot thing to do. CD burners, I, I know you probably remember at the time, CD burners were like the hot thing. You know, you got a, you got a PC and you got a CD burner yeah. and... You know, you could burn CDs. I, I, they listen I'm, actually to... hmm? I'm actually looking. I'm actually looking for a CD burner so I can uh, listen to some CDs in my car. Ooh, going retro. Because <laughs> I have a twelve, I have a twelve-year-old car. That's the same age as the Wii. I should actually put the Wii in the car. Should it could be my Wii mobile? Hey, yeah. I love it. Hey. But um, I attribute the fact that the the PlayStation was so easily pirated to another reason why it done yeah. so well. Because all of a sudden, I would get a game and then I would copy it and give it to you. And then you could play it as well, and that would shift hardware. It wouldn't shift software, but it would shift hardware. And then all and must and all that. Yeah, and so so everybody had like two or three official games and like a stack of like a hundred freaking copied games. And you, uh, you didn't even have like you could go to ExtraVision again. Shout out ExtraVision. Rent out a game. Go on Game Copy World. I probably shouldn't be endorsing that. Go on Game (laughs) Copy World. Download a crack, and then like burn a CD. And that would be it. You then just go back to ExtraVision, drop your game off, and you have a brand new game for like two quid, three quid. I mean, yeah, you are, you know, a scurvy uh, pirate. But they, they would sit there and wonder why nobody was uh, renting Blast Corps. That's like, why it went down to 250. Yeah, yeah that, that's it. We figured it out. That's why Blast Corps was £2. Because they were like, clearly nobody likes it. But it's because nobody had a freaking N64 cartridge burner in their house. Ultimately, I think we should leave it here. Uh, before we bleed on the PlayStation, because I think that's going to be an hour full episode as well. Yeah. Um, but uh, any final thoughts on the N64? Uh, I think, uh, would you be in a fair agreement with me there about how cartridges kind of held it back? Cartridges did hold it back. I think that, that that was probably the killer, considering the fact that the, the PlayStation used CDs and was just yeah. white hot at the time yeah, I think I, I think Nintendo loved the cartridges because you had that instant load time and you didn't really have to blow uh, worry about yet, you know um, it was just you had instant, instant copy protection too read. yeah exactly yeah and it was kind of like protecting their own IP but um, as but, you said you know kind of backfired them as well so what we'll do then is we'll leave it there before we actually run over the fucking hour mark and we'll leave it for next time. Next time, whenever we come back, what we'll do, or the next console wars that we that we visit, we will talk about the the PlayStation 2, the juggernaut that was the PlayStation 2, and what I consider to be the start of a pretty big lull period for Nintendo. Yeah. 
uh, so not getting on the period. I fell out of the game. I fell out of the game as well. I think a lot of people did. I think it got boring at that yeah. stage just for a while. But that's yeah. that's where we'll leave it. That's I I was the same as you. We'll we'll go into the dark days on the next one. But yeah. anyways, I love talking about this stuff. Um, if anybody wants to record us a question or anything, the answer on the podcast, or if you want to chime in on any of the things we talked about today, make sure to download the Anchor app on your phone and record us a message. We'll play it on the podcast and we'll answer it and have a chat about it. But yeah, um, I had loads of fun. Do you enjoy it? Awesome. Awesome. I actually held you back this week. I know it's crazy. We're all over the place. But yeah, we still come together. We still get it done. But yeah, anyways, <laughs> we'll uh, we'll we'll see you guys next time and we'll talk about some more old gaming memories and we'll get sidetracked for another hour on a half hour podcast. But yeah, thanks for listening guys and we'll see you next time. Bye.